another exciting episode of the Ghoulish Entertainment Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy, and this time out we're tackling an interesting subject in the form of video games being an issue, being a problem, and some of the news that has come out within the last week about a diagnosed gaming disorder. Now, this is a subject I feel really passionately about because I love video games. I don't see myself as having a problem. Granted, I don't play as frequently as a, a lot of people, and I play mostly for uh, narrative stories, and video games have been a big, big impact on my life because they were the gateway drug into, probably the wrong word for this subject, uh, into me wanting to become a storyteller. So, whether you've heard or not, um, the World Health Organization has come out and said that gaming disorder is an actual disorder, and people that play games excessively and to the detriment of other things in their life um, can now get treatment for it, and it's an official uh, mental health condition, which is, one, ridiculous, and um, two, short-sighted, and I think part of a bigger problem. Um, so video games have long been blamed for um, violent behaviour, whether that's in school shootings in America. I know the NRA and the Trump administration blamed video games, and the Trump administration even showed a reel of violent video games to blame for several shootings in America this year. Nothing to do with the free accessibility of guns or gun crime, but that aside, and mental health, but that aside, no, it's video games, clearly, because you don't see violent behaviour in film or it talked about in music. Yeah, so... Video games has long been kind of a scapegoat, and recently in net neutrality circles as well. Um, net neutrality in America has um, fallen, sadly, and we're also looking at the UK government into monitoring online activity and restricting it also. So net neutrality is a hot-button topic that won't just affect America, it will affect everywhere. And that's not good for consumers, and it, it will cost you more, you will have access to less, and it can be controlled, filtered and censored more. Video games came up in this conversation. If you want to learn more about net neutrality, I suggest you do um, and just get up on the subject because it's been repealed it's been repealed now and uh, I've seen people saying well uh, what were we all worried about nothing's changed but these big changes aren't going to happen within the week they will be slow over a number of years and then we will just come to the point where we accept it and it's horrible so video games came up in this conversation because they were blamed as in a reason why net neutrality shouldn't exist because in the net neutrality sphere, we all get equal access uh, online, as long as you can obviously pay for those speeds. And gaming, and specifically multiplayer gaming, was blamed for slowing down everybody else's bandwidth, which is bollocks. <laughs> and nothing, obviously, to do with the underground cables, the infrastructure not being great. Where I am at the moment, we can't get fibre. That's nothing to do with my speeds aren't crap because people around me game. So yeah, the gaming as a whole was blamed for everybody else's internet speeds being slow. And the reason why net neutrality shouldn't exist and people that do online games should have metered connections uh, and restricted somewhat. 
which is another worrying thing. The Australian Gaming Board, uh, similar to the ESRB and PEGI, ban all sorts of games. I believe Left 4 Dead doesn't go, it doesn't air there due to violence and subject nature, and they are really incredibly strict. Um, they've already said that Cyberpunk 2077 probably won't get released there ever, even edited, and there's a lot of games that Australians don't get. So globally, games from the perspective of people that don't play them are kind of seen as taboo and bad for the health. Now, I saw a couple stories um, from the gaming official gaming disorder from the World Health Organization, and there was a few children uh, and young adults, and one of them was playing, I believe, 15 hours a day, and was not going to school, and there was a few that were playing 30 plus hours a week. Now, I understand completely that this is an exhibit of addictive personality, but you're blaming how you're blaming what they do with their addictive personality as the reason why they've got it, which is not the case. That is just a symptom. There's a few things here. Um, if it wasn't video games, it would be something else. If video games didn't exist, there would still be people with addictive personality faults and behaviours. And saying it's the fault of games they shouldn't be readily accessible is actually ridiculous because I read, on average, more than 15 hours a, a, a week and people watch TV more than, on average, more than 15 hours a week. Um, some might even be on a screen 15 hours a day. I'd, I'd even dare to speculate. So, are they not addictive personalities? It's You're doing one thing. It's one activity, like video games. So, uh, would people consider that an addictive personality? No, they'd just say you watch too much TV, go outside, or whatever. I mean, a lot of the stories I've read is just examples of poor parenting, in my opinion. Granted, if your ch I am very sympathetic if your child has addictive personality traits, because they can be hard to curtail, but when it comes to child missing school and playing games and not going to bed at night, as a parent, you have the ability to, one, take things away, two, turn the power off, and three, parent. I, I don't see why, oh, my child needs help, we need to protect the children from these violent games. One, the um, umbrella of protection for violent games is more airtight than I'd say film is. They're all age-gated. The Peggy system's kind of brilliant. Granted, if you go into a shop as a parent or as a minor and get a game for an underage child, that's on you and the retailer. I once saw a um, father who was buying his son a video game in a local Argos and he got him um, Saints Row the Third, and he looked about nine. And the kid was like, uh, oh, Dad, can I have this one? And he was like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, um, it's your birthday money, so uh, whatever you want. I would argue that's too young for a game like that because that's the age rating that's on the game. Now, I'm not saying growing up I strictly followed the age rage guidance system because it was between you and your parent to decide 
if you were mature enough to play something and it was on the parent to do a little bit of research and know a little bit about it to turn to a nine-year-old and say yes you can have this 18 game it's probably poor parenting but it's not the video game's fault it's designed for adults this particular one Saints Row and it has an age rating on it if you don't follow that that's not the game's fault as part of this um, gaming disorder announcement there was a um, researcher scientist uh, Dr. I'm going to butcher this name I do apologise um, Dr. Petros Luvinus of New Jersey Medical School um, he compared video game publishers and companies to the, um, the clear fear mongering um, to tobacco companies from the 70s and 80s and said that uh, let me get the quote right they basically were saying any behaviour can be addictive and the whole mayhem set us all back maybe 20 or 30 years so he's saying the defence of the video game publishers and companies and fans of video games saying that like I have in this podcast that video games are not the problem they're merely a symptom of someone who has addictive personality behaviour and if it wasn't video games it would be something else and people exhibit addictive personality in other areas of life that aren't so much scrutinised he's saying that oh they're just like the tobacco companies that were trying to tell you that tobacco wasn't harmful when it actually was and that if there wasn't if there, people weren't smoking they'd drink the only way that's similar is me saying oh if people didn't video game they'd watch TV, they'd read a book. But that's completely missed the point entirely because he's saying that video games are similar to cigarettes and the fact that they're harmful and we're being lied to. I really don't see the health benefits of getting knackered lungs or cancer from video games. I'm pretty sure that isn't a thing. And uh, we're on about addictive personality, not a physical illness. So I really don't see his point and I think spreading that kind of misinformation on the back of the announcement from the World Health Organization, who, by the way, are only considering including gaming disorder in their next journal of illnesses and diseases. And a lot of people from within the World Health Organization and governing bodies around the world are conflicted and a lot don't agree with this assessment. So it's being reported on a hell of a lot, which is why I wanted to get kind of my side across. Not that anyone would really care what some random in England thinks, um, especially since I'm northern. Uh, <laughs> but I really don't see why video games in the last five years have been persecuted by people who are really not knowledgeable on the subject and from people who have just listened to hearsay and are reporting on reports that are inaccurate. This is one report saying gaming disorder is a thing and video games equals addictive personality and violence granted violence isn't in this one but there has been studies over the years into video games and whether they do contribute to undesirable behaviour especially minors and every single time they have come back no worse than film so I really don't get these arguments of against video games and why they should be moderated more they're already rated and age gated if someone's going to see a film and be triggered in the same way and want to act out on violent uh, violent urges, then all media should equally be to blame if this is the case with video games. So it's a bit of a short one this week. Just wanted to get my thoughts out there while this was still fresh. And 
yeah, it's a bit of an odd one. Um, let me know what you think. You can visit us at ghoulishentertainment.com. Um, our Twitter is ghoulishent, at ghoulishent. I'm at ghoulishjimmy, if you want to write to me directly and we can have a discussion what you think about this uh, gaming disorder hoo-ha. And, um, yeah, that, that's uh, me for this week. So uh, thank you for listening, and I shall see you later. This episode of the Ghoulish Entertainment Podcast is brought to you by cutoutme.com. At cutoutme.com, you can upload your own images and recreate them as cardboard cutouts or face masks. Watch their handy tips video to see what kind of images make a good cutout, and off you go. As a special offer for our listeners, they are offering 10% off of your purchase if you use offer code ghoulish10. So that's ghoulish and one and a zero. No capitals, no spaces, blah, 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 blah. Whether you've got a picture of the groom for an embarrassing best man speech, you find yourself unable to go to an international family event but still want to be in the photos, it's less than a plane ticket. Or maybe you're going off to university and will miss the family pet, because they do pets too. So that's cutoutme.com using offer code ghoulish10. Thank you.